Hello, everybody, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists, editorial board members, and columnists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined by columnist Gilbert Garcia. He joins the show today to give us a preview of the March 1st Texas primary elections. Welcome to the show, Gilbert. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. And just in case the listeners don't know, I work with Gilbert every week. I produce Puro Politics and Gilbert hosts along with uh, an array of political reporters for the Express News. And really, there's there's no one better to to preview an election than with Gilbert Garcia. So, Thank you. And we were at a political rally together on accident the other day. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, we uh, happened to both be at Charity Bar last week when Elizabeth Warren was here to uh, for a rally uh, on behalf of Jessica Cisneros, who's a challenger in U.S. District 28. We'll probably talk about that in a minute. But um, I uh, got a chance to talk to the Senator Warren for a few minutes before the rally. And, and from what I understand, you were you just happened to be there and and all the, this craziness was happening. Yeah, I was there by pure chance. And uh, I remember I texted you and I said, oh, my God, I think Elizabeth yeah. Warren just walked by. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm interviewing her. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, you know, you, you really felt kind of things were kind of heating up and, and uh, you know, with, with some of these campaigns in the, in the final in the final weeks. And that one's going to be, that's going to be a really interesting one. Well, you know what? That's as good a place to start as any. That's uh, District 28. That's Henry Cuellar's district. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about this race? Well, you know, he's, he's, uh, Henry Cuellar is, is an institution in South Texas politics. He's uh, a nine-term U.S. representative. He's he based in Laredo, but his district includes, you know, part of San Antonio and Bear County. And, uh, you know, he has just, uh, he he is kind of uh, seen as a, as a moderate. He's uh, He votes contrary to his his party on, on some some key issues. He, for example, he's, uh, he's, uh, anti-choice on the issue of abortion, which is a, a very controversial position um, within his party. And, uh, but it, he is, uh, Jessica Cisneros is, is a progressive, uh, someone who was uh, helped by the Justice Democrats, the same organization that, that helped Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez when she got elected uh, uh, to Congress in New York. And uh, she is, you know, a young movement progressive, an immigration lawyer from Laredo. She challenged Henry Cisneros two years ago, got within 4%, and she's come back this year. And I think there were I, I, there were at least some people looking at it and thinking, you know, he maybe uh, uh, didn't take the challenge seriously enough two years ago. He seemed to be um, m- much more, uh, you know, serious about it this time. And there, there was some thought that... Um, you know, that maybe the second time around, uh, uh, it would be more difficult for her to be able to, uh, you know, to, uh, pull an upset or maybe the, the surprise factor wouldn't be there. Um, also the question about whether the turnout would be as big in a midterm election, uh, in, uh, as, as there was two years ago. So, um, you know, that was, these were the issues that were at play until a few weeks ago when, um, there was an FBI raid of the Congressman's home, and campaign headquarters in Laredo. And we still don't know exactly what the situation is, but obviously it's, it's, it's a, a big concern. There are a lot of questions floating around and that's kind of what's underpinning this whole primary election. Um, we had Jessica Cisneros on Puro Politics. She's been pretty careful about how she talks about this investigation because, you know, she's not 
like the rest of it, she's not really sure exactly what's happening. But um, but nonetheless, I think it has to 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 be harmful to the congressman to have these kind of questions, um, you know, in the mix and how big a factor it's going to be. We've seen other other people who have been under investigation. We've seen uh, people who've who've had the, the you know the, the the clouds of scandal around them and still win their elections. So it's certainly possible, but that's that's the, the big question in this race. Well, now Jessica Cisneros has had two kind of high profile, splashy events here in San Antonio. One was the Alexandria Ocasio Cortez event in uh, at the Paper Tiger. The other one, obviously, the Elizabeth Warren one we just talked about. Do, do you think these events or endorsements are going to help her fare better than two years ago? You know, the thing that I, I tend to think is that her supporters are very passionate. If, uh, my, I almost feel like a big turnout in some ways benefits the congressman in that there are a lot of people who might, if you have a big turnout, people who go um, maybe aren't paying a real close attention to this race. They're familiar with Henry Cuerra's name. He's someone who's been in Congress for a long time and they may vote for him without maybe giving it that much thought. Her supporters, they're, they're going to make a special effort to go to the polls in the same way that AOC's supporters went in 2018 when she was challenging an incumbent in New York. So I don't think that they're going to have to worry about her supporters making it to the polls. They're very passionate. They feel very strongly that Henry Quayer is the kind of Democrat that they want to see unseated. Um, So far, the, you know, the turnout numbers haven't been, haven't been particularly good um, in, in, in early voting. I, I, and, I, I'm so that's that's what I'm 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 wondering. I, I think that um, I have to think that you know, just given the level of passion that that she that she has in her in her uh, voting base, I think that that could be beneficial to her. All right, and so now let's move on to a different race, one that's probably going to be on the minds of more San Antonians than than maybe other races, and that's the race for Bear County Judge. Well, what can you tell me about that one? Well, you know, we've we've this is the first time in more than twenty years that we've had an open seat. We've had uh, Nelson Wolf has been the dominant figure in Bear County politics for more than two decades, and he's decided not to seek another term. And so you've got um, because this is that rare open seat. It it prompted a Republican uh, county commissioner, Trisha Berry, who had only been in office for about a year to give up her seat and decide to, to run for County judge thinking this might be the, the one chance I get. I mean, the, the history with Nelson Wolf suggests that you might not, you might not get an opening uh, when it comes to the seat for a long time. So she's running on the Republican side. We know she's going to be the nominee. The, the real interest is on the democratic side where you've got um, three, you know, really strong, high profile candidates. You got Ina Mihadis, the state representative, you've got uh, Peter Sakai, former district court judge, and Ivalice Mesa Gonzalez, who until recently was the chief of staff for Mayor Ron Nuremberg. And I think there are, you know, s- strong cases that could be made for all of them as far as their um, their chances in, in this race. Uh, you know, Peter Sakai has um, has never run for this kind of seat. He's run for in judicial races, but he has built up a lot of goodwill in the community. Ivalice Mesa Gonzalez has been very involved in politics. She's got the support of Mayor Nuremberg. She's got the support of Congressman Joaquin Castro. And there's also that uh, generational thing with Ivalice. And uh, absolutely. Where her mother was a really uh, well-known community organizer. Yeah, Choco Mesa, her mom has, you know, a lot of, I mean, there are people like Leticia Vandepute, this former state senator who is also supporting 
uh, Ivalice Mesa Gonzalez, who is a, an old f- friend of, of, of her mother of Choco Mesa. And so, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, there, uh, that, that, that family has a lot of, uh, you know, uh, support in the democratic party. Um, you got Ina Minjares, who's a really highly respected state representative. I think she's somebody who, um, is not only, you know, has not only has support among, you know, sort of traditional Democrats, also has some support, uh, among the business community. Um, and I think would probably have some real bipartisan backing in a general election. But the question is what's going to happen here. I think, I think most people believe we're, we're looking at a runoff and the question is, you know, who's, who's going to make it. And I, I, I think most people are, are believe that we're probably going to see Peter Sakai against one of the other two uh, candidates that I mentioned. And I don't think I mentioned up top, but the Express News Voters Guide has reports on all these races from our wonderful journalists, as well as the editorial board's uh, endorsements for those races. But uh, now moving on, uh, let's talk about the District 35 race. What can you tell me about that one? Right. Now, this is a a congressional district that was created like a a decade ago uh, during redistricting. and it's a, it's a district that basically runs along the I-35 corridor connecting San Antonio to, to Austin. And mm-hmm. uh, w- 10 years ago, we almost saw what would have been one of the most fascinating races in Texas uh, in, in recent years. We were Joaquin Castro, who was then a state representative, was going to run for that seat against Lloyd Doggett, who had basically been redistricted out of his congressional district. And this was, I mean, this was um, kind of an old school Anglo Austin Democrat versus, uh, you know, an up and coming Latino San Antonian and CNN, who I think was planning on doing a, a big, uh, special on, you know, kind of where the kind of covering this campaign, following these candidates around. And then, uh, it, and what ended up happening was that, um, uh, Charlie Gonzalez, uh, San Antonio Congressman decided he wasn't going to seek another term. Joaquin Castro moved over to that district immediately said, I'm running in this district. And so he had that one pretty much to himself. And so that clash was avoided. And uh, so now with redistricting again, we've a decade has passed. Lloyd Doggett has moved to a newly created district that kind of kind of uh, is more suited to him. District 37. And so 35 is open. And uh, I think there are you know, people in San Antonio who would have would like to see a San Antonian in there. Trey Martinez Fisher, the state representative, thought about running there, but I think ultimately decided, concluded what many other San Antonians did, that um, the numbers are such that it really benefits any, a candidate from the Austin area because it's not only um, a lot of Austin votes, but also, you know, in the suburban areas, um, it's, it's kind of hard for a San Antonian. Uh, to win that district. So um, what we're seeing there is we, we're seeing uh, Greg Kassar, who uh, until recently was a city council member in Austin. He is very much a movement progressive as as well as uh, these, these the rally that we mentioned with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was for Jessica Cisneros and Greg Kassar. And, and Elizabeth Warren went to Austin right after she came to San Antonio last week and she went and, and uh, did a rally with, uh, with Greg Kassar. So he's I think most people believe that he's in a in a really strong position in that race. Uh, he's running against uh, State Representative Eddie Rodriguez, for who's also from Austin, and then you got a San Antonian in the race, Rebecca Villagran, who was an uh, eight year city council member uh, and was finally term limited out last year, and her sister ended up uh, taking uh, her her council seat. So uh, she's in the race, and again, I I think that. Uh, Greg Kassar is probably the likely winner there. Uh, uh, Rebecca Villagran, I think, 
has a, a major challenge, has had a major challenge trying to become um, known among Austin voters who probably really didn't know too much about her coming into this race. Yeah, well, I mean, coming from San Antonio, maybe she doesn't have the sort of support she needs in Austin. Yeah. But uh, let's move on to District 122. Yeah. Now, this is the the seat that Lyle Larson, uh, this is a the Republican seat that uh, uh, Lyle Larson has had for, you know, I guess about 12, 12 years now. And he decided not to seek another term. He's somebody who's been kind of a, a, a maverick uh, in the legislature. He's often criticized his fellow Republicans. He's talked about running as an independent for something down the line. And he, he just decided he was he was done, um, decided not to seek another term. And so you've got a really competitive race on the Republican side uh, for this seat. You've got Adam Blanchard, who's a trucking uh, industry executive. Uh, Mark Cuthbert, who's a, a business person with it, who's also a veteran. Mark DeRazio, who uh, was a former uh, Bear County Republican chair. And then uh, Elisa Chan, who was a, was a Northside council member uh, many years ago. So this race looks wide open to me. I think we're, I don't have any doubt that we're going to see a runoff in this race. And, uh, I wouldn't even begin to predict I've, 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 you know, I talk to people who know more about politics than I do. I get all kinds of different scenarios coming out of this as far as who's going to be in the runoff. Um, it's really, really wide open. Um, and that's going to be really interesting to watch. Oh yeah. Uh, Lau Larson was on Puro Politics last year. Uh, great interview. Uh, go check it out. Expressnews.com. He was, and you probably remember he had some not so uh, flattering things to say about yeah. Lieutenant Governor Dan <laughs> <Patrick>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think he said something about how he, you look into his eyes and there's just like there's nothing there, or so, you know. So um, you know, he he's somebody. Uh, Lyle Larson has always kind of uh, done things his way when he was a, a county commissioner, uh, and they they all gave they gave themselves raises. He refused to take it because he just you know I think he was making about half of what everybody else on the commissioner's court was making because he was like he was such a sort of fiscal conservative and believed in low taxes and small government. And he's like, I'm not, not going to give myself a, a, a pay raise, you know? So, um, you know, he's kind of always done things his way and he's, he's always been very blunt. Uh, you know, if he's, if he'd see something he doesn't like, uh, he, he looked at the fact that for example, um, state Republican leaders were refusing to expand Medicaid in Texas, which would bring health insurance to a million more people in the state. But for political reasons, because it was something created by Barack Obama, they didn't, they haven't wanted to do it. And he was, he's criticized Republicans in the state, even though he's a Republican, mm -hmm. he's, he's, uh, you know, he said this is a rare thing sense. these days. Exactly. Exactly. So he's, he's, he's always been a really, uh, even as a Republican, he's been a very independent voice. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, the legislature will miss him, but it'll be interesting to see who uh, who ends up taking that seat. And I'm just going to add this because I just found the quote. Uh, I'd never heard a politician uh, talk like this, <laughs> but he goes, the lieutenant governor is just a jerk. He's not a good man. I've had meetings face to face. He's soulless. You look into his eyes and there's nothing there. He doesn't mince words. And that, that's the thing. There there are certain politic, politicians in, in Santa, the two that really stand out to me, who if they're going to tell you something, they just tell you. It's like they're they're not going to tell you say one thing for public consumption and say other things off the record. They'll just tell you, uh, and and you'll be talking to them. You think you're almost wondering are they are they comfortable with this going out to the public? But they are. And it, Lyle Larson is one. Um, former County Commissioner Kevin Wolf was another example of he just if he had something to say, he was just going to say it. And um, so I, you know, I personally, I I really like like it when politicians when if they've got something to say, they're just going to come out and say it publicly. And there was one more race that you mentioned to me that you really wanted to talk about, and that was the the race for attorney general. 
That's right. And this is the one statewide race that I'm probably looking at the most uh, closely. I mean, there, there are other th- things that you can find in some of the statewide races. I mean, we know Greg Abbott's going to win the gubernatorial primary on the, on the Republican side and Beto O'Rourke on the Democratic side. It'll be kind of interesting to see what their margins of victory are. But, you know, we know what those results are going to be. Um, but the Republican race for attorney general is really, really fascinating because you've got Ken Paxton, who's been under indictment for you know, most of his, his time in that office. And he's really got some you know, some serious step challengers stepped up this time for the Republican primary. You had George P. Bush who gave up, uh, or who's the, the land commissioner who's giving up his seat, um, to run for attorney general. Eva Guzman, who was on the Texas Supreme court, left the Texas Supreme court to run for attorney general. And then Louis Gohmert, uh, the, uh, U S representative. And, um, it's been uh, it's been a pretty wild race because Ken Paxton has refused to debate with the other three candidates. So we've had these other these three challengers going at it with each other and uh, kind of trying to prove, uh, you know, trying to out Trump each other. Basically, I mean George P. Bush ran an ad attacking Eva Guzman, saying that she doesn't support that he's going to build uh, Trump's border wall, but she was against it. She said that's not true, and she's talk pushing for the border wall. Um, She's, uh, Ken Paxton has criticized Eva Guzman said that she doesn't support, uh, the ban on critical race theory. And she says he hasn't done a good enough job of getting rid of critical race theory. And we had, we were talking before we started the podcast, there was a debate with those three challengers last week in which they were asked, did Joe Biden win the 2020 presidential election? And two of the three on stage said they weren't sure. The only one who raised their hand to say, yes, he won was George P. Bush. Uh, Louis Gohmert said, I hadn't, I don't know. I don't know who won. And Eva Guzman said, it's undetermined. Uh, so <sighs> this is kind of what's going on uh, in Republican politics, particularly in Texas now, where even making, even stating that Joe Biden was the winner of the 2020 election is a controversial position. And um, that's kind of defined this race, you know? And so, I mean, they've, it, it's really been, um, hard to find any sort of, uh, you know, philosophical disagreements. They've, they've talked a little bit about Ken Paxton, you know, a lack of competence. They've talked a little bit about his, you know, him being under indictment, but a lot of it is just trying to, to prove, you know, that I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I hate election fraud more than you do, or I hate critical race theory more than you do, or I want to build the border wall more than you do. And, and, uh, it's it's a it's a strange <laughs> campaign when you have a candidate for attorney general saying I'll finish the I'll finish the wall, um, which really has nothing to do with the, the job of being an attorney general, but the the you know the basically the legal representative for the state of Texas. Um, the fact that you were seeing candidates bragging about how they're going to finish Trump's border wall, but that's that's that tells us a lot about what's what's going on in Texas politics now. When you see the rhetoric in this race. And I think I, I saw you wrote about this recently, about the chilling effect that a lot of the policies coming out of the Republican legislator are having. Well, what, what, what's happened is that, you know, like the, the, the legal or uh, the, the legislative approach that we saw from Republicans uh, last year was, was, uh, was different than what we've seen in the past in the sense that they're saying we're going to ban abortions after roughly after after roughly six weeks, but we're going to give the enforcement power to private citizens. So they can kind of be spying on people and, and seeing if anyone is helping, aiding a woman who wants 
to get an abortion, and then they can take legal action against that person. Uh, we're now kind of uh, uh, giving the the power to uh, uh, partisan poll watchers to possibly intimidate people at the polling sites into you know and and create kind of a chilling effect there. We're seeing you know schools really afraid about uh, when it comes to what subjects they can bring up and how they can talk about certain issues in in class because we had a a, a bill passed last year that um that was kind of vaguely worded but seemed to it, it basically said if you talk about the issue of race and you make somebody feel bad about their race you know that's that's not allowed and what does that mean exactly i mean how how do you talk about us history um without the possibility of that happening and so you you're it's you're just creating this kind of chilling effect where you're kind of kind of scaring people um and i think the 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 one of the uh, classic examples of this is what's happened with mail voting obviously a lot of republicans were unhappy uh about the fact that we had a huge mail vote turnout across the country in 2020 with the covid pandemic and they were raising a lot of questions about the integrity of the, the mail voting process. So one of the things that they did was they've said county elections offices cannot send out an unsolicited mail ballot application, just an application that the person would have to fill yeah. out to get a, a mail ballot. It's not an, actually a ballot. So for example, I mean, if you, if you go to the Texas Secretary of State's office on their website, they've got a mail ballot application. You could just print it out and then send it in. Um, the all the, all the county elections offices, the Bear County elections office, they have mail ballot applications online. But and and candidates, Republican candidates, Democratic candidates, they send mail ballot applications out to people that they have targeted as possible supporters. So they all this happens. But if an elections office sends them out uh, without it, it being solicited, and Jackie Callan and the the county elections administrator gave you know, I mean, ex extreme example of how absurd this is that they'll get a, an overnight call, a phone message, say from a woman saying, I'd, I'd like to get an election, uh, uh, mail vote ballot application. If you could send it to such and such address, could you send one to, for me and one for my husband? And the county elections office has to call them and hear from the husband himself, because if they oh sent two, if they sent goodness. two applications and they only heard, heard it from one person, that would be considered unsolicited, or at least they're afraid that it could be con considered unsolicited and they could get them in some legal trouble. So this is, uh, we, we've heard a lot about, uh, mail voting numbers are down It'll, uh, across the state. And I think that that's kind of, you know, we were talking about the chilling effect. That's, um, I think that's kind of the result of that. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining the show, Gilbert. I really appreciate you breaking down all these races for me. Uh, everybody, please go check out Poodle Politics uh, every week. Uh, thanks again for being on the show, Gilbert. This is great. Thank you.